Welcome to the Lutheran Outdoor Ministry Podcast. This is the place to be to hear all the latest news and information about the world's finest outdoor ministry network. And now, as always, here's your host, the Executive Director of Lutheran Outdoor Ministries, Mr. Don Johnson. Hello, everybody in Lutheran Outdoor Ministry World. We're glad to see you and have you here for our second podcast on the LOM Podcast Network. We are so privileged today to have as our guest the president of Lutheran Immigration and Refugees Service, Linda Hartke. Now, the podcasts that we do with LOM are all meant to bring us as outdoor ministry leaders in contact with current issues of the day and things that we can connect with and ways that we can collaborate with the rest of the church and the rest of the world. And what would be more cutting edge at this particular time than to be talking with a person who is at the cutting edge of one of the most crucial current issues that we have, United States policy and our work at resettling immigrants and refugees. So Linda, thank you very much for being with us today. Don, it's great to be with you and so many other friends in Lutheran Outdoor Ministries. Now, um, Linda, um, we've known each other for a long time. Both of us have our roots in New England, in the New England Synod. And um, when you left the New England Synod, of course, that left us with very few people, very few Lutherans left in the New England Synod. In any event, Linda, um, it's been a while since you were doing all kinds of youth ministry stuff in the New England Synod. I was doing youth ministry stuff and outdoor ministry stuff in the New England Synod. And I'm wondering if you could, just as a way of getting started and a way of getting introduced to all of my friends and colleagues in outdoor ministry, uh, just give us a little bit of a background in terms of what's happened in between you doing youth ministry stuff in the New England Synod and now serving in the really, really crucial and important role of president of LIRS. Well, thanks, Don. Maybe, you know, first to say it was those early years for me in New England and in a local congregation in Sudbury, Massachusetts, um, where I first learned about refugees and got to meet refugees when my home congregation sponsored a refugee family, a family from Chile who had been persecuted and the mom and dad had even been, been subject to torture. So as a young person learning about refugees and welcoming them into our church, into the local community, understanding their story and making them part of our lives together um, was a transformative experience. I, I went on after my, my time in youth ministry and as a young adult out of college to work in, uh, in, in politics in Massachusetts, to be involved in some policy work. I was involved on some boards and committees for the ELCA and for its predecessor church, the LCA. Um, and then went on to serve as the chief of staff to my congressman from Massachusetts for a, a district that included um, Lowell, Massachusetts, which 
at the time was about a third Southeast Asian refugees from Vietnam, Cambodia, and, and Laos. So that connected my work around policy to um, constituent services, to the stories and experience, the hopes and dreams of the people we were serving in, in our, our district. After a number of years on, on Capitol Hill, um, I had the opportunity to go to work overseas. I spent six years working in Cambodia for Church World Service as the country director of their field program there at a time of enormous transition in that country. The presence of large-scale peacekeeping mission from the UN, the repatriation of refugees from the Thai-Cambodian border, and, and then was at the CWS headquarters in New York for, for a few years. That was culture shock, Cambodia to Manhattan, I can tell you. And, uh, and, and then years working in advocacy ecumenically based in Geneva, Switzerland, before I came to Baltimore, um, now almost eight years ago, to lead Lutheran Immigration and Refugee Service. Linda, what an awesome career. And uh, I know that you have a lot of your career still up in front of you, but I, I have to tell you, I'm just proud to be able to say, hey, I knew her back when. And uh, I'm just, uh, I, I just stand in awe of the work that you've done, the ministry you've had, the ministry that you continue to have, and how important that has all been. Now, in your work there at LIRS, um, it goes without saying that you're dealing with both immigrants and refugees. Is there any difference in the ways that immigrants and refugees are brought into the country, are settled in this country? Is there any real uh, delineation uh, in those two kinds of people? Um, sure. There are, there are a number of legal differences. There are differences in immigration law. You know, there are differences in the journey that each newcomer makes to, to this country. And in our case, I mean, it's important to remember that refugees are, are one form of immigrant. So they, they are an immigrant to this country. They're not totally distinct from other immigrants, but one class of immigrants. In the, the same way that um, individuals who come from overseas to study in the U.S. or businessmen who come or women who come here to work in the US are also immigrants to this country. Or people who come to join their family members from, from overseas are, are immigrants, as well as those who may, for whatever reason, um, enter this country without documents or overstay a visa, um, who would then be considered undocumented immigrants. But the, the big similarity here for the, the, the people at the center of our mission is really focusing on those who are most vulnerable and most at risk. And that's true whether they be an undocumented immigrant or a refugee. The proud history of the US refugee program and Lutherans being involved in welcoming refugees has really been driven by a commitment to protect and offer safety to people who were fleeing for their lives and who had no other other choice, even as, as they were seeking to protect their family. So that began more than 75 years ago when Lutherans in this country welcomed Lutherans from Europe, fleeing.
fleeing the cataclysm of World War II. It's been true when we've welcomed the lost boys and lost girls of Sudan, and it's true today when we welcome refugees from Syria and Afghanistan and Iraq and Burma and Bhutan and the Democratic Republic of, of Congo. It's also true of, of the immigrants that we, we serve, particularly the immigrants who are at greatest risk. Um, a central focus of our work has been around protection, safety, uh, and family reunification for unaccompanied children fleeing extraordinary violence in Central America. Kids in Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador who flee alone, who make a treacherous journey, um, some who often don't make it, who are simply seeking to, to get away from gangs and drug cartels, who very often have murdered family members and have threatened their very life. Uh, and to ensure that they have a place to be safe here in the U.S., that they have access to legal counsel, and that they have an opportunity to move through the legal process here in the U.S. to be considered to be allowed to remain in the U.S. rather rather than be deported. Linda, you, you um, mentioned unaccompanied minors, and it brought me back to the day when I was serving as executive director of Calumet, our Tampa Conference Center, New England Synod. And we were working with LSA of New England at the time, or LSS of New England at the time, now known as Accentria. And we were collaborating with each other in providing week-long programs for groups of unaccompanied minors who they were in the process of settling in New England. It was a great program. I think that it's still uh, a program that is taking place, uh, Accentria and Calumet. And I'm wondering, are you aware of other programs that are taking place where camps and outdoor ministry sites are uh, working with the organizations you work with to provide programs and activities and services for refugees and immigrants uh, in any way. Yeah, it's, um, it's a great example of, of innovation in New England and of, a, of a, a creative partnership. I'm not aware of other specific examples um, particularly where some of our service partners um, that are based in 48 different communities around the U.S. who welcome refugees, really partnering with Lutheran Outdoor Ministries. I, I believe there are a number of other activities that involve local camps, whether it be on a day basis or on an overnight basis, uh, but I'm not, not aware of other specific initiatives with uh, Lutheran Outdoor Ministries, which is part of the reason I'm so excited about having this conversation today and, and would love to be able to hear about initiatives like that that are, are happening elsewhere. Yeah, my guess is that there are a number of initiatives like that that are taking place. And one of the reasons for a podcast like this is so that we can uh, just lift up and uh, lift up awareness of uh, the connections that are possible and that already exist 
outdoor ministries. We have all kinds of other ministries of the church. So one of the things that we're going to do when we get this podcast out there is we're going to invite those who are already involved in collaboration uh, around refugees and immigrant uh, uh, services that we're going to be able to uh, get all kinds of examples collected uh, and uh, you know, who knows, inspire others and give all kinds of ideas to all kinds of people throughout the whole ELCA. Uh, Linda, I'm, I'm wondering though, do you have, uh, do you have suggestions for how camps and retreat centers might collaborate with LIRS or with the organizations you work with? You mentioned the 48. Uh, communities in which there are organizations working with you to uh, settle immigrants and refugees. Do you have any specific suggestions for camp leaders who might be listening on to this today? Yes, I've got lots of ideas and knowing how creative folks who run outdoor ministries are, I suspect those can be multiplied many times, many times over. You know, first is the, the educational folks focus that many camps and retreat centers have and and to consider using that as a way for young people or retreat attendees to understand something about people on the move in this world and about those who come to the U.S. as their new neighbors. We've got a lot of terrific resources on our website at lirs.org. Uh, Bible studies, curricula, short resources, long resources, including a terrific uh, multi-part study guide called My Neighbor is Muslim um, to help help Lutherans especially understand um, what it what it is to live alongside Muslim neighbors whose faith is is different and is very often misunderstood. So using um, using the opportunity for education and awareness raising, providing scholarships for uh, young refugees to attend camp or to have a group like the unaccompanied refugee minors that you referred to in New England uh, attend camp. There are opportunities for service projects, a whole variety of things I think that could be done. I mean, even as refugee kids get ready to go back to school, imagine kids at camp preparing backpacks for refugee kids with notebooks and pens and, and materials to help those kids get, get ready to go back to school, maybe for the first time after many, many years of living in a refugee camp where they've not had the opportunity to, to go to school. You know, camps are also a place that can celebrate Refugee Sunday. We encourage congregations all across the United States to choose a Sunday and to observe a Refugee Sunday, to have guest speakers, to include it in prayers and in the sermon, um, to include it in the kind of music that's utilized in learning about and celebrating the church's role in, in helping to protect and welcome refugees. Camps could very easily choose a Sunday during the course um, of the year to observe their own Refugee Sunday. And, and I don't forget that outdoor ministries are also employers. They hire and equip and 
um, encourage the vocational development of both young people and adults through service on in staff positions, whether those be seasonal staff or full-time year-round staff. And refugees make great employees. They have a lot of skills to offer. They have a wide world experience. They're eager to work hard and give back to the country that's welcomed them. And I think it makes a big difference in a workforce to have that kind of presence and participation. The last thing I wanted to mention, you see you've got me started, Don, with, with ideas, but is on the other end of the spectrum, and that's older refugees. You know, one of the groups of people that it's that find it the most difficult to integrate and to adapt to life in the US are elders, are those who are not going to work, and so they're they're developing new community connections at a workplace. They're not like their grandkids who are going to school and are speaking English a mile a minute right away. They, they very often are at home. They're isolated. They're in a, a country they don't know, a culture they don't understand, and very often struggle to learn English as, as well. So I think there's some particular opportunities for outdoor ministries that run programs with elders who are native-born Americans. Um, who may come from local congregations um, to think about doing some joint programs together with some elder refugees so that they can be of encouragement, support, and just be friends um, with, with one another. Holy cow, Linda, those are great, great ideas. And the thing is, um, when you mentioned uh, employment opportunities for refugees and immigrants, one of the things that a lot of our camps are facing is real challenges in finding sufficient numbers of you know seasonal summer camp staff as well as year-round staff and what a great possibility that it would be to uh, connect with your local organization that works with LIRS and refugee and immigrant settlement in the United States just the idea of uh, having the possibility of uh, finding staff for both seasonal and year-round, uh, huge idea. So thank you very, very much. And uh, I think there are some awesome possibilities here in terms of the whole spectrum of what you just mentioned. So Linda, let me ask you this. I know that LIRS headquarters in Baltimore, the Lutheran Center in Baltimore, you're working with all kinds of organizations that are local. If a camp director or a program director wanted to follow up some more on some of the ideas you have been suggesting, uh, would they contact you or would they contact their local agency and how would they find out who their local agency is? Yeah, so there are a couple of ways uh, people could, could reach out. Um, they could contact our local service partners in their area. They're not in every state, uh, but they're in many states all over this country. And, um, and the way to do that uh, would be, one way to do that would be to look on our website, again, lirs.org, where we have a list of, of our refugee service partners and how to, where they are and how to reach them. The second thing I would say would be just to email us, lirs at lirs.org. 
and we would make sure we'd, we'd direct that to the right staff person. That would allow us, for example, to connect, let's say, a camp director in Colorado to the employment specialist who works with refugees at Lutheran Family Services Rocky Mountains uh, in, in the Denver area um, or in the Greeley area or in Colorado Springs where, where we're working to resettle refugees through our local partners. And we can provide even value, I think, beyond that. People, if people look at our website and see where we have refugees being resettled and they don't see their state or their area, we can also connect your network to the other national organizations that, that resettle refugees and to the employment specialists that work in states like Indiana or Ohio, where we don't resettle refugees, but the Catholic Bishops Conference does, and Church World Service does, and the International Rescue Committee might. Our peer organizations, because we're networked very closely with them, uh, particularly around employment for refugees. Linda, that, that's very helpful. And when we put this um, podcast up on our website, what we'll do is we'll also make sure there's information like how to connect with LIRS and where to find your local agency, that kind of thing. You mentioned another idea you mentioned was the whole idea of how camps can be a platform for education about the whole refugee and immigrant scene. One of the things I, I wanted to ask you about is how have things changed in the last several months in the work in the ministry that you have with the um, new administration? I realize that there's all kinds of changes anytime there's a new administration, generally speaking, but my guess is from everything I see on the news that there's been probably some significant changes with this particular administration. Uh, ha have there been as many changes as I'm imagining there must be? There have been as many changes, Don. And, and sadly, I don't believe it reflects the best of this country and an incredible legacy this nation has of welcoming newcomers, ensuring their integration, and then being a better and stronger country for, for keeping our doors open, for providing an opportunity to, to protect vulnerable people and give them a new start at, at life. So we've seen a, a very large decline in the number of refugees being admitted to the United States. Uh, this time last year, we would have been resettling a thousand or more refugees just this month. Um, in communities all across the, the U.S. This year, it's probably going to be more like 250 um, to 300 refugees during this month. So the, the president's intention to, to decrease the size of the U.S. refugee program, to create more barriers to refugees arriving, for example, the Unaccompanied Refugee Minors Program you mentioned earlier, I mean, kids who are refugees, who've lost their parents, who are waiting in refugee camps, and who have loving foster families waiting for them here in the U.S. None of them are allowed to come to the U.S. right now. There is a, a, a complete freeze on that program at, at this moment. And very often this is being 
presented as a, a means of protecting Americans. Um, if there's there's one thing I know based on the, the faith that we share as Lutherans is that we're called to love and serve our neighbors. Um, we're not invited to be afraid of our neighbors. And I truly believe from the traveling I do, from the conversations I have with people in congregations all across this country, they're not afraid of their new neighbors. They're eager to have them here to welcome them and to be a part of their lives and to have those refugees be a part of life in their local communities. So the education and awareness raising are important. They're important for local communities to understand the facts and the truth about refugees and immigrants who come to this country, to understand something about the vetting process refugees go through, the legal processes that immigrants go through to be uh, allowed to remain in the United States. And it's important because this is a time when citizens in the US um, should both be aware, but also exercising their rights as citizens to speak to their elected officials. So it seems to me that our outdoor ministry leaders are in contact with literally thousands of people. There's the potential for a formal or structured program and activity that they may be in touch with LIRS or the organizations you work with to initiate those kind of activities or continue with those activities. There's also the informal opportunities of simply being in conversation and being witness to what our historical place has been as a church in terms of wel welcoming new people to this country. So thank you for that. And thank you for all the ministry that you are involved in and that you're providing leadership for. Linda, we're, uh, I think, getting to a point of bringing this conversation to a close. But before we do that, let me ask you if, uh, is there anything else that you would have hoped I would ask you in this podcast? Is there anything else you would want all of our colleagues throughout the Outdoor Ministry Network to, uh, to know about or be thinking about? Anything else that you'd like to uh, toss onto the table in this podcast today? Well, I think just to go back maybe even to where I began, for me personally, the conversion experience around understanding and appreciating and wanting to do something to make a difference for refugees came out of my own experience and encounter with a refugee family uh, in my local congregation. And I would say to your listeners, to, to folks who lead outdoor ministries, if you've not had a, a personal connection to a refugee family and would like to do that, let us know. We'll, we and our partners, I know, would be delighted to make that happen. Maybe we even come up with, I don't know, another podcast too, if, if your listeners are interested to actually hear from a refugee and maybe even a refugee who's worked in a, in a Lutheran camp about their experience. It, it is life-changing and we don't intend just to talk about refugees, 
but truly to walk alongside them, to be a friend, a, a neighbor, to understand that we benefit from that relationship individually in our communities, in our churches, as much as, if not perhaps even more than, than the refugees benefit from, from that relationship. So we're at a moment where we need Lutherans and we need outdoor ministries um, to step up, to put their, their faith into action, to be generous and creative, to find places to engage in, in service, in accompaniment, in advocacy as, as well. So there are many possibilities. I think in our short time together, we've touched on a few of them. And I certainly look forward to keeping the conversation going as, as we expand those possibilities. Well, Linda, that would be my commitment to make sure that we keep this conversation going, to uh, provide all kinds of uh, opportunities and possibilities for the ways that outdoor ministry organizations can be involved in, in the work that you're doing, the ministry that you have. And I look forward to our continuing collaboration in the days ahead. Uh, I hope and I trust that uh, this time that you have spent with us will inspire all kinds of new possibilities that we can have. I thank you for the time you have spent today, but more importantly, I thank you for your ministry and for the awesome work that LIRS is doing on behalf of all of Lutherans throughout the whole world. So thank you very much. And I look forward to connecting with you often in the days ahead. Hey, thanks so much, Don, uh, to you, but also um, to all of the amazing leaders across Lutheran Outdoor Ministries all across the, the country. And uh, boom, chicka, boom. Boom, chicka, boom. Hey, all right. We'll see you. Thanks for listening to the only official Lutheran Outdoor Ministry podcast in the entire world. Until next time, check out the Lutheran Outdoor Ministries website or our Facebook page. So long for now from the Lutheran Outdoor Ministries World Headquarters. On behalf of Don Johnson, have a wonderful day.